Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Hey, what? Zach here from the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here we are at episode 101. This week we have Zach Petrini. Last time Zach was on, I was featuring him on Friday Music Showcase number 17 back in September of 2021. Reading his bio, it says, One needs only drop the needle on Petrini's new release, Rock and Roll is Dead, to see why he is so lauded in Milwaukee and beyond. Um, rated Best Live Act in Milwaukee by Milwaukee Magazine, Artist of the Year by the Wisconsin Area Music Awards, and Best Song in a Feature Film, Mark Awards LA. Having opened for the likes of, of Walker Hayes, Huey Lewis, and Ray Weil Hubbard, Petrini has proven his ability as someone who can run with the best. He has also toured extensively, covering out audiences as far north as the Twin Cities and as far south as Tampa. Be it his skillful writing and dynamic production, his enduring and energetic stage presence, or his everyman's approach to his music, it's clear that his new album, and I do mean album, he has it on vinyl. That this new album and his band meets people where they are and holds them for an entire 43 minutes and 31 seconds. It's titled Rock and Roll is Dead, but it definitely is not. So let's get right into the conversation with Zach when I met him over Zoom while he was on the road straight out of his van. Here we go with Zach Petrini. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you. Zach's going to tell us about his involvement in the Wisconsin music scene kind of his music origin story, um, stuff he's done. So let's get right into it. So, um, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, man, you too. Yeah, good to be here. We're, we're in uh, Indianapolis right now, and I'm in our, our tour van. We just grabbed coffee, and uh, we're getting ready to rest up a little and get to the next gig. So, <laughs> so you guys are doing a, a, a U.S. tour, or what's going on? Yeah, so we just released a record September 23rd. It came out. It's called Rock and Roll is Dead. So we we um, hit the road a week after. So we're mainly doing a Midwest tour right now, but we're getting into the South next week for a little bit. But mainly keeping it, uh, well, we're going to be like like as far north as the Twin Cities, as far south as Nashville, Memphis. So okay. kind of everywhere in between. Cool, cool. Let's step back a little bit and we'll get into that. Um, a little bit later, but why don't we uh, get the audience kind of get to know you a little bit? How'd you get into music? What's your music origin story? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, but it's so started off just enamored with guitar. Um, I have uh, memories of I've got older brothers, so they all kind of introduced me to music pretty early. But I've got memories of that uh, uh, of of hearing. Um, gosh, what was it? Or, you know, this is what it was. Uh, I remember seeing a guitar at a friend's lake house and doing my best to, like, pick out uh, Come As You Are by Nirvana. Okay. And it was like, I want to do, like, I love this. This is the best. Like, I'm <laughs> sure it was terrible and, uh, you know, whatever. But I just right. was so enamored with the instrument in and of itself. Um, but took piano as a, as a little kid and uh, quit. But again, still always just love guitar. Finally. Uh, convinced my parents to get me lessons and started writing at a pretty early age uh kind of fast forward a bit played a ton i mean there's not a lot of places to play obviously like a, a kid but growing up in the church world played um any chance i could get on like sundays and then my friends and i joined bands and tons of bands and throughout high school and into college but 
didn't know if I was going to do much with it. Like I knew I really loved it, but I, you know, was still kind of confused. And this is back. I lived uh, outside of Chicago at this point, but um, went to college and was working on a record. And uh, it was actually my dad who really kind of encouraged me to go for it. So uh, I played him some of the demos that I was working on. And he's like, you know, these are like, these are like decidedly better than anything you've ever done before. Like, are you, are you thinking about doing anything with this? And that kind of, lit the spark. So a year later, I dropped out of college and started recording and haven't really looked back. It took a couple of years off in between relocating from Chicago to Milwaukee. But yeah, man, that's kind of how it started. And it's been, uh, you know, there's ups and downs and there's seasons where it's like busier or not. But for the most part, I've been just making music stuff work that way for, you know, for a while now. Okay. So obviously you, you were starting before the pandemic. How did the pandemic kind of um, affect your your music career at that time? Yeah, not great. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, the pandemic hit, and I was on I was on tour. Um, I was like five six days into uh, like a seventeen day tour. I was in Nashville, uh, and it shut. Like that's what, we were supposed to play South by that year. Okay. And um, we saw that it it closed, like it, it it shut down. And as soon as South by announced that they were done, everybody you know pulled the plug. Then you started closing restaurants, you know. And then there was yeah. like the official lockdown. Um, so you know, it it was tough just because you know you're you're only you only have so much energy, you know. And every year that you can't do something that requires a lot of energy, it you feel the loss for sure. Yeah. And I think on this side of it too, I mean, that's probably. Of course, like there's economic loss and there's all that stuff, but um, the really the thing that I think that I, it, I feel it the most is just in time. You know, I had an album that was most of the way like it was. I, I finished writing it. Um, I was getting ready to like start getting into like post production, and, and um, that's actually this album now. Okay, so it's like t- like two years later, right? Um, so again, it's just like an issue of time, you know, honestly, the, the one thing that was nice about it was it just did provide a break after like I was on and off the road that whole year. My son was only like two at the time, maybe three. And so it was like, it was my second kid and and I, it was just, I was running around like crazy. So it made me slow down, which was good. Um, and, um, got to work on another project which was great i did a um a co-release with a a songwriter from memphis who i was on tour with uh we were like shoot if we can't do our tour let's just like write an ep together so we did and it turned out well uh that was the release from last year but yeah so mixed bag for sure (laughs) yeah 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 that's kind of what i've been hearing from a lot of musicians is like you know it's like it's a huge you know disappointment because if they have things lined up and then all of a sudden everything gets shut down but then again like you said you get to take a little step back and kind of go okay what else can i do during this time and you fill your time with something different that you didn't think was going to happen anyway yeah cool do you come from a musical family or are you like the the odd man out (laughs) yeah Yeah. in my in my immediate family i am the odd man out we do have music like in there uh my mom's side is actually pretty musical for the most part um but no i mean we're my my immediate family's pretty straight it was like one person in each like chunk 
of the family really kind of like got the itch and ran after it. But uh, yeah, I'm the youngest of four. My brothers all, uh, you know, they, they've got nine to fives and uh, I decided to be the weird one. So, <laughs> or are they the weird ones and you're the normal one? Yeah, you know, yeah, I guess it depends <laughs> on who you ask. Right. Exactly. Exactly. One of the questions I do ask is your perspective on the local scene, uh, the attitude of it, the positives and the, uh, the suffolk struggles of it. So what, from your take, what do you see as the positives of the local scene and what are some of the struggles that you're seeing? Yeah, you know, positive of, uh, you know, specifically the Milwaukee scene, um, you know, coming from Chicago, I was used to like, gosh, you got to work so hard just to get on a bill. And then you get on a bill and it's with three other bands and you're still not even talking to who like the booking agent is a lot of times. Or if you are, it's in a very like roundabout way. It's hard to know how things went, if you're going to come like it, there, there's just a lot of like, there's a lot more, um, hustling that you had to do to find a show. Whereas here, um, it's way easier to just like talk to the person you need to talk to, um, which is really helpful. Uh, obviously in booking shows, there's not as much like, you know, it's hard enough to get four or five right. people's schedules to align to book a show, let alone, you know, dealing with a venue where your, your communication is sparse or it's hard to like hear back or whatever. Um, so that's really good. You know, I think, um, one of the things that I've just been a huge, like I've it benefited me a lot, uh, has been that because it's a little bit of a smaller scene, it's not like a big major city, but it is a city. Um, it, that's like a really sweet spot, I think. Um, cause you know, when you, again, and this is just from a being living in Chicago, doing music there, but like, Every night of the week, you're competing with a national touring act, you know, like at one of these big theaters and stuff. Yeah. And so if you're not like aware of some of those schedules, you could like, I remember one night we had what was a pretty important show for us. And like Sufjan Stevens was playing at the Chicago theater. <laughs> like every one of my friends went to that show, you know, yeah. like, and I don't blame them. Uh, right. So at least in, in, in Milwaukee, what's nice is, yeah, it's like you just don't you're not fighting so much i think and that's really good um people have been quick to adapt to the project too which has been really nice um i think what's hard about the scene is that because it is a smaller city and and you know like i've heard this from a lot of other people too where it's like if you don't come from here or you don't come up through this scene and i've definitely felt this too it's like you i don't know feel a little bit like an outsider like yeah. it takes a while to gain people's trust and get in those circles and and restart or start new um you know one thing i'd really like our city to like i'd like to see here is more like medium-sized clubs we really only have about two and uh you know otherwise it's just it's pretty small or it's massive like it's you know yeah huge theaters and so it's hard for you know when you're in that in between where like i feel like we are um where you just need more space in a yeah. venue. Uh, you know, you really don't have a lot of options and it's really hard to then get them. So I'd like to see more medium-sized clubs pop up. Um, obviously, <laughs> this is a rough time to do that. And, yeah. Uh, to undergo that venture. Um, yeah, so I think those those are some of the challenges I've seen. Cool. Yeah, th that's it's interesting because I think you're the, one of the first ones to bring that up is needing something in between the smaller and the larger venues. But that makes sense. You know, you have, you know, there used to be places like I'm in Racine and there used to be 
a few places when my dad was, you know, in his young 20s when they had like the Venetian theater and stuff in Racine, but that just all turned into parking lots now. And that seems like it's all, it's up, you know, if I can make more money parking cars here instead of running a venue, that's what they're going to (laughs) do. Right. So, yeah, I hear you, but maybe, maybe things will start turning around. You know, they say life is reciprocal. So eventually maybe it'll come back around. Yeah. That'd be cool. I think so too. Now you had mentioned your, the, your recordings and your albums. Why don't we talk a little bit about newest one that's out that came out in September. Why don't you kind of take the audience kind of through the whole timeline of starting it, um, recording it, um, where you recorded it, or if it was a DIY, how you did that and through the mastering and the release. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, the, the way it started, I was working on a different project and needed some new drum parts um, for uh, this project I was working on for one of my releases. And uh, a friend recommended uh, to me this guy named Kyle White. Uh, He's got a studio. He just moved, but he was in Pewaukee. It was called Cave Studios. It's his studio. Anyway, he he retracts. This guy, Kyle, retracts some drums for me at his studio. And he asked me, he's like, well, hey, what are you doing with this EP? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to release it. I'm in a band, like we'll tour on it, whatever. He's like, okay. He's like, well, have you ever considered like writing for licensing for film and TV and stuff? And I was like, well, I mean, of course, yeah. Like I'm a songwriter, but I had no idea who to talk to, to even like get the door open there. And he's like, well, that's what I do primarily. He's like, I, I you know, 80% of my time is just writing and recording stuff for film and TV. So uh, he, we, we made a deal and this was about 2018 okay he's like for every song i write for him for licensing and we record it together he would let me have studio time for whatever i wanted um and so it was basically just kyle and i who worked on this so 2018 i was in the writing process um 2018 through 2019 um i think i got in the studio with kyle working on this project in about middle of 2019. And so it was mainly just he and I, uh, my keyboard player, my good friend, he does background vocals. He's been playing with me for years. He came in for a couple sessions cause he's just, I can't play piano as well as he, he okay. plays. But between that, uh, other than that, I should say, uh, he did some background vocals as well. Yeah. But other than that, Kyle and I just did the whole record, um, at his studio. Um, and what we tried to do with it, we wanted to, um, we basically picked what we called three sonic markers, which it's like these three albums by these artists, like we're going to make decisions kind of based on these three perspectives. Um, how did they, you know, what kind of snare did they use? What synths, what guitar tones, what do we like? What don't we like? What can we, we kind of like borrow from for like a sonic palette. Um, and once we kind of made that, it made it kind of easier to approach some of these tunes um and it was good it was good to this is the first time i did an album where it's just me and one other person so kyle engineered but he and i co-produced the album um and yeah it's just hard to uh protect division sometimes when you have like five <laughs> six other musicians that you're pulling in on a session you only have so much time uh you only have so much energy so uh just doing it the two of us it was way it was just like just a quicker it was quicker in the sense we could make decisions fast gotcha. um, and there wasn't as much like it's funny to say but it's like you're not as um 
your ego isn't as attached, I think, at that point. Because you're just like, well, we're just looking for the part that fits. It's not yeah. like, oh, I wrote this part for this. It's like, okay, let's let's just look at these songs as what what does it need, not what am I bringing necessarily. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, we we finished that in 2020. Uh, I want to say winter, uh, or no, what would that have been? Yeah, like January, probably. Okay. 2020. Okay. And so it's been in post production for quite a while because then I I paused it and re- released the different projects. But um uh Kyle mixed it at Cave Studios, kicked it out to Justin Perkins over at Mystery Room Mastering. Uh he's in Madison now. Yep. Um Oh, he Justin yeah. moved to Madison? He did, yeah. Oh, I thought Oh, man. What well, that must have been s- recently then, right? Yep. Yeah. It it was. It wasn't too long ago, which actually it's kind of funny cuz Kyle, who I, I did this record with, moved into Justin's spot at um, Wire and Vice, where he gotcha. was. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, so he mastered it. And then Super Duper out of Madison uh, took care of the vinyl for me. And that was, I mean, one of the reasons, too, we sat on the record is because we wanted to do vinyl. And um, we knew we were, you know, we were getting in a line. And we barely, I mean, we got it with like six days uh to go before our tour started Jeez. so it was how much yeah, how it, much is vinyl take now how much does it cost to do a vinyl album it's not cheap yeah. um i mean we pressed 200 and it's probably all said and done uh a little over two grand wow so i mean it's nice because it's like the you know i mean people don't really buy cds anymore like people yeah. will buy vinyl and they'll buy sweatshirts yeah <laughs> the only thing i can sell right right uh so it is pretty necessary you know it really does cover and we ended up doing a kickstarter um that that succeeded and people were really generous and that was awesome so we were able to kind of put some of that money towards uh fixing up the van printing the vinyl buying some merch doing music videos and kind of having a little bit of extra cash for emergencies in the road um so yeah so that was great uh and like i said so that the the album the album came out digitally on the 23rd and we started like selling it uh on the 30th of september uh and that was our tour kickoff in milwaukee so cool so this album what what would you say is like the main topic or is it multiple topics for this album yeah the biggest um the the biggest arc uh, in this record is the idea of perspective and um, like the, the way I see it playing out is like, here, here's a situation could be like a, in a relationship in something that you love in anything. Um, here's like what it was, here's what it is. And now like, what are you going to do about it? Um, how does that affect your life now seeing it? Um, seeing it not just in a nostalgic way, though not just seeing it as an isolated event uh, in the future, if that makes sense. Like there's yeah. a, a song on the album, 17, it was the second single. Um, and it just kind of engages that tenuous nature of like, you know, you look back on growing up and I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's just interesting to hear how people talk about their youth and it's like, oh, this was awful or oh, this was so good. When in fact, like there, it was just, 
there's like a lot of ups and downs, you know, and to say a time period was only good or only bad. It's like, it's hard to know. Like in the moment it was so emotive and there was so much going on, but then looking back, it's like, you're, you're, it's like, it's way more of a, you're way more detached from those emotions. And so even yeah. getting the proper perspective can be difficult. Um, so this kind of engaged a lot of, a lot of, issues of perspective you know there's another one the other single what are we now it's like what do you do when you know you you have a fast young love that's as you and your person continue to grow and get older you inevitably change and you're looking at this thing that is way different than it was when it started and what what do you what do you do when you find yourself in those places right um, right so that's a lot of the narrative arc for sure cool um so I usually put like three songs from the artist on the podcast so like the audience can kind of get a a hear of it. Um, is there like certain number or certain songs you want to put on the podcast for people to listen to? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, the the song the song uh, What Are We Now? Just white knuckles 
17. 17. Red blooded boy sitting in the front seat. Didn't know I didn't know a damn thing. Just wanted to drive. Push down the pedal and feel alive. So much I couldn't see. talked about you having kids work-life balance how is that working out for you is it a challenge or you got a good control of that 
it's definitely a challenge. Um, and you know, I mean, every, every couple of months, usually how it happens is like at the end of each tour or really busy season, my wife and I kind of sit down and talk about what's working and what isn't, um, what has to change. Um, which, I mean, I think that's helpful in trying to figure that out, you know, but there are seasons where it's like, what's hard about this this business is like you set your course you make the plan you do it and then you can edit and evaluate um but the problem is is like you have to you have to do it (laughs) so uh yeah it's it's challenging but also at the same time you know it's like weird i i I think we're getting closer to finding the, the sweet spot this tour we're doing like three day weekends and then home Last year at this time, we did 24 dates in 30 days. I was home for like seven days in October. And we both were like, my wife and I were like, no, absolutely not. Do not ever. We're not ever doing this again. Yeah. Um, Because she was, you know, single parenting three kids for a while. So, and I get that. That's really hard. Yeah. So, yeah, it's difficult. And, but it's just like a learning process. And I think, I, I mean, I got lucky. My wife is very willing to like feel that out with me to look at it and it's not like what the heck it's like oh no we're we're both still trying to learn how do we do this well but you know i mean for for having like a crazy busy season there's also a lot of times where i'm just like hanging you know doing yeah. a couple hours of laptop work maybe write a little bit and then i'm just like around so um yeah there's like really intense times on both ends of the spectrum well it's good that you have a, a partner that wants is willing to work with you and figure things out you know that's that's always helpful especially when you're trying to do what you're trying to do is you know make a career out of you know playing music yeah which is not easy no no it's not i'm tired (laughs) i'm very tired always (laughs) (laughs) gotta dig down deep and get that energy right yeah gigs that you've been at either as a performer or as an audience member that's made a big impression on you and maybe why it's made that impression on you. We can talk about both as, as well. So gigs that I've done that have made a big impression on me, positive or negative. Does it matter? Yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. Um, man, you have specific ones or just like in general up to you. Okay, great. You know, I, I love, um, I love playing listening rooms and house shows. Like the big loud shows are fun, but you know, when push comes to shove, the main reason I do what I'm doing is it's, it's a, it's a one it's, it's, well, it's very selfish. It's for me a lot, Um, but it's also in the hope of like, I'm doing this to continually remind myself what I believe it means to be human. And what that means is like, you go after passions, you, uh, you're honest with what you want. You, um, yeah, you're, you're living like with your full self. And I find that when you're in like a listening room context or a house show or just more of like intimate venues, um, you get to tell more stories. People are more actually tuned in. I don't love when you're playing to just like a huge, it's like, cool, you're on a big PA, big stage, huge crowd, but like, you know, people are just drunk, like whatever, like we can have fun. That's great. But the ones I really love, it's when you can just tell you're actually connecting to your audience by usually just like vulnerability or, or storytelling or 
whatever, offering them kind of glimpses into each one of these songs and hopefully ways that they like can emotionally connect and attach and just feel like somebody sees them. Or- um, work-life balance. Yeah. How is that working out for you? Is it a challenge or you got a good control of that? It's like most of my writing, it's, it's 80 to 90% autobiographical. It's um, things that are bouncing around inside my head and mind. Because, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I love about music. That's what like enamored me about music, too, is like going to a show and hearing somebody in, in you know, a small club, like 100, 200 person club, just like take a moment and give you like insight into their life. And um, yeah, so listening room style places, house shows, anything where it's like people are like, we're here to tune in, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. Were you ever at a gig as a as an audience member that made a big impression on you? Yeah, I mean, I've got to think of, I've got to narrow it down. I mean, I would say the 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 thing that that like probably affected my life the most was I was probably eighteen, and it was going to shows in Chicago. But this one specifically, it was a tour uh, called Ten Out of Ten. I don't know if they're doing it anymore. It was like ten, the number out of T E N N Tennessee. Okay, and it was just like a group of musicians. It was usually like ten songwriters with like they'd be swapping in and out, but they would do this tour every year and they'd stop in Chicago and I'd see him there. And I remember I got to go one time and it just like, that was the show where I was like, this is what I want to do. This is the style of music. This is the way I want to come across. This is, this is, this is it right here. Um, and I'm trying to remember all the bands that were on that night, but, um, yeah, I don't know if it's anybody who's still playing now, but I just remember like I literally in the car that night on the way home, wrote half of the the first song off of uh the first album that i would release like under my name and so yeah that was a pretty big like whoa like it it definitely shifted my uh my trajectory for sure excellent other than that um is there anything that i haven't asked you that you wanted to let the listeners know check out the new record it's streaming everywhere it's out everywhere or you know best case buy it because uh, yes. streaming services are really crooked and they're making it really hard for guys like me to make a living. So, right. Yeah. Are you on, are you on Bandcamp? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. And where else can people find you if they're searching for you on the internet? Yeah. My website, uh, just zachpetrini.com. And if you don't know how to spell that, you can put Zach pie in Google <laughs> and it'll take you to all the places. But yeah, my website's a good spot. Instagram is probably what I'm most active on and you get like, funny cooking videos and weird stuff with my family and all that. Uh, but those are probably the two easiest ways to kind of follow along with what's going on with the bands. But uh, yeah. Cool. I'll put that stuff in the show notes as well. So people can just click on that if they don't want to go Google searching. Yep. All right. Well, Zach, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, you know, you're, you're living the musician's life right now and living out of a van. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you go. Um, I appreciate you being on the show. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad this worked out. uh, Yeah, I really appreciate it. What a great conversation. What a great guy and a great musician. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to his adventures as a musician on the road and listening to a few of his songs. Right after this end segment, I'm going to play his title track, Rock and Roll is Dead. So um, that's going to be coming up in a minute or so. Go out to bandcamp.com. 
check Zach Petrini's music, buy it, help support all these great musicians out there. Don't forget, we have a great concert coming up at Shank Hall with Milwaukee Bam Alley Eyes, who are going to be opening up for Racine native lead man Noah Likas of American Restless, who also plays guitar in the touring act Silent Comedy. So go check that out at Shank Hall on May 12th. Tickets are available on the Shank Hall website. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. It's been a few years now Since we put Petty in the grave And I cannot help but feel I was meant for a different age It's so wrong to think These songs could save our souls Let's pour one out tonight And say a prayer for rock and roll Cause rock and roll is dead Rock and roll is dead Smash all the guitars And let the record spin Cause rock and roll is dead Were we singing all So drag deep on that cigarette And say a prayer for rock and roll Cause rock and roll is dead Rock and roll is dead Smash all the guitars And let the record span Yeah.